I want you to repeat the topic with me, please. Living up, Living up to, God's to God's purpose. What is God's purpose for your life? What is it that you know or you believe God wants for your life? Are you living the life that you think God designed for you? This whole year we're talking about purpose. The whole goal is to help you understand the power of living in God's purpose for your life. Now, I think that what happens to a lot of us is we kind of get sidetracked. I want to make sure I don't go too long, make sure that I get you out of here on time. But I want to talk to you a little bit about how easy it is for a person, how easy it is, how easy it is for a church, family, a business to forget their purpose. Some of you work on a job, and the people that you work with, you wonder why they come to work. It's almost like they've forgotten why they're here. And what's interesting is if you work with people who are negative, over time you start sounding negative. You start complaining, you start becoming like them. And you forget your purpose. You forget your reason. That's why this whole year the theme is, what is your purpose and why are you here? That's the question I'm answering the whole year. Say, so what is my purpose? And why am I here? I started the year by talking about something that you might remember called living with purpose. And I asked you a question. I said, is God's purpose for your life possible in your current state with the current layers in your life? I talked about how sometimes our lives are so layered that we have attitudes and habits and issues that bury our purpose. And God has to peel back those layers to get us to the place that he can receive, we can receive what we were designed to receive. Why are the layers, what are the layers rather that you need to address in your life? Was the question I asked you at the beginning of the year. And I want you to think about that because it's, it's so important for you to be clear about what you're supposed to be and what you're not supposed to be. You should be clear about where you're going and where you're not going. So think with me for a moment again. Are you living in your purpose? That's what I asked you in January, the beginning of the year. The second thing we talked about this year was designed to be different on purpose. God designed you to be unique. You're not the same. The next month in the year, we talked about how unique you are. And God doesn't want you to be the same. God doesn't want every church to be the same. I'm different. I view things differently, and that's okay. And it's okay that you're different. Third thing we talked about was the purpose and power of belonging. Say that with me, please. Come on. The purpose and power of belonging. I talked about the importance of membership. And I wanted you to understand that you, you need to commit yourself someplace. If it's not here, if it's not to this cause, pick a cause. Follow somebody, go someplace specific. Be, be, be in covenant somewhere. Something important about that. What are you committed to? Whether it be committed to helping the community in some specific way, or whether it be committed to the court, whether it be, whatever it is, school or college, whatever, be committed to something. What are you committed to? That, there's an that's an important question. You can just live your life if you're not careful and just kind of move around, but you're not committed to anything. That's not healthy. Then we talked about prospering with purpose. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. I talked about that this year because I wanted you to understand, I did a whole series on it, I wanted you to understand the importance of prosperity. Prosperity helps you accomplish goals. Without money, you can't do things, and you can't be afraid of it. I think for too many years, too many, for too many reasons, you, you get spooked when it comes to money. You can't talk about it. You can't ask for it. 
You have to apologize all the time. And you create an atmosphere that's unhealthy. God created the tithing and the offering principles in church for a reason, to bless you, but also to empower us to do good. You, can't, you just can't do it. You, you just can't touch the thousands we're touching today without resources. You can't have this. You, it won't work. And so we prosper for a purpose. And then we talked a little bit about belonging on purpose. Again, I went back to the whole membership thing. And so today, I, I want to kind of get you geared to talk a little bit more about purpose. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And I want to show you something. Now, this sermon is a bit changed because I always announce where I'm going next week. So some of you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you had another topic last week. I know. I was going to talk about something called why we don't do what they do. Say that with me, please. Come on. Why we don't do what they do. And part of it was, I was going to talk about uh, uh, this because of our membership series. And uh, we're getting ready to open the doors again for new members in a, in a few weeks. And part of what I wanted to do was help everybody understand what we believe. So if you're thinking about joining, you'd understand. But I don't know, I didn't like the sermon. So I changed it. And let me tell you why I didn't, I didn't like it. I struggled. I, even though I'm going to say some of this today, but I struggled. Let me tell you what I struggled with, the they part. The more I thought about it, it kept saying, why we don't do what they do? And I felt like I was pointing my finger at people. I felt like I was saying, you know, we're not like them. You know, and I, I just thought, well, I know a lot of church people that have a lot of issues. I know a lot of people who go to church. I know a lot of people, maybe you do too, huh? That, that have similar issues. They've not been perfect in their lifestyle. They've not necessarily been obedient to God. And so I was kind of struggling with this whole thing, but I, I wanted to say this because I was concerned that our church, for example, does not need to just go in any direction. We don't need to just take people in and let them join our church and say we get took in a couple hundred members or however many, three or whatever many members we take in, and say, well, we're growing. Big deal. If you're growing, growing into a big what is the question. We have 3,200 active members here, and if we're not careful, we'll have 4,200 active members, but if we have 4,200 active members, who are not engaged, who are not sincere about their walk with God, what difference does it make? Growth becomes a negative thing. You see this in companies, right? You, you, you grow a company and then it just implodes because you hire the wrong people. You get people in there who just want money. They don't care about the cause or the product or anything. There's this amazing mindset that they can migrate into that's destructive. And so I, I wanted to talk about this, but I wasn't sure how. And so I kind of had to back up a little bit. And, I, and I, I, I'm going to talk about this. And I'm going to use Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4. But I want to balance it out. I, I want you to see the balance of what I'm going to say. Repeat this with me, please. Say, the weakness of some, weakness of some is, no excuse is no excuse for the sin of all. Sin of all. Here's what I mean by that. Just because some people who go to church aren't living a perfect life doesn't mean that we need to feel that we can live any way we want. There is a line that we should draw. There is a vision that God has for us that we can't allow ourselves to lose sight of. In other words, you can't just go, well, nobody in church is perfect, and I can't be perfect, so why worry about it? And so you just start living any kind of way, and that's, that's, that's going to work against us long term. Because here's what the Bible says in Romans 6. So what shall, we, what shall we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I shall hope not, the message Bible says. My goal is not to create an atmosphere that says, we can do anything we want, doesn't matter, because everybody's struggling. 
And that's what you can take out of the sermon if you're not careful. If I got up and said the right thing here or the wrong thing here, I'll communicate to you that it doesn't matter. Everybody's weak. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's having a hard time. And, and I said, no, I, I can't say that. So here's what I can't do. I can't say we can't do it. And I can't be dishonest about those who are not doing it. You got those two? I can't say to you that, you know, we can live any way we want. I can't say that. But also can't say there are a lot of people who go to church who live any way they want. But here's what I can tell you. We don't have to be like that. We can be victorious. Come on, church. Say amen if you're hearing me. You know, you don't have to be weak like everybody. The weakness of some doesn't have to be your weakness. The struggle that you've had in the past doesn't have to be your struggle right now. Just because you've been down doesn't mean that you have to stay down. You can get up and you can be victorious. You can be blessed. You can be strong. If you made a mistake, you can brush yourself off and say, well, praise God, I won't do that again. You can date one turkey and you can say, thank God, I'm done with turkeys. You can have one turkey and you can let her go and say, no more turkeys. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. You can decide to be different. Come on, say, I decide. Come on, say, I decide. You decide. You decide. Nobody decides for you. You decide. I'm making some decisions right now in my life. I, most, most, most Christians are out of shape. They don't take care of themselves. They eat anything. I know it tastes good. <laughs> they do anything. They don't take care of themselves, and they will become a statistic if they're not careful. I looked at my numbers. I was amazed. I, I, I'm a big doctor person. I, I check all my numbers. I know my numbers by heart. I can tell you. And I looked at those numbers, and some of them were going in the wrong direction. I said, ooh, the devil is alive. Let me turn the ship. What in the world is ha- I can't let that happen to me. And I told you. I said, you see this right here? It's not saved. And if I don't watch it, this will go out of whack, and it will become something I don't want it to be. And I have to work on it. Some of you looking at my, but look at yours. Go ahead, look down. Praise God. Take a look. Take a look down there and say, yes, Lord, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm not mocking anybody. I'm not putting anybody down. I got my own struggle. Why would I mock you? I'm simply saying I don't like it. I don't like that everything starts to hurt. Everything starts to hurt him. I didn't know some things could hurt like they hurt. You turn left, you go, oh, Jesus. You turn right, no. You know, sometimes. <laughs> I better not say that, praise God. I better hold on. But, you know, things just hurt. It, 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 you, it, it. Can I say it? <laughs> No, don't be trying to tell me to say it. I better not say that. Hold on. It, it, when things hurt, you know, you start forgetting about things in your life. Your romantic, everything go down because you hurt so bad. Your back hurt, your neck hurt, your leg hurt, your feet hurt. Ain't nothing left but your lips. <laughs> everything. And, and I believe that you can decide to be different. You can decide to live up to a higher level. See, God has a purpose for us. It's up here. And the question is, do I want to live up to that? Do I want to get up there where God's vision is for my life? I'm going to read a verse in a second, but God had a vision for our church. He had a vision for me. 50,000 people were going to come to Christ in our church so far. 50,000 people. You got to clap your hands. 50,000. That ain't good enough. Come on. That's not good enough. Come on. That's not good enough. A lot of people come to Jesus. Praise God. But how, when, when we started, God said, that's my purpose. That's my plan for you. 
Well, how do I get you there? That's the plan. That's the purpose. I'm going to bu buckle up. Everybody buckle up. You ready? Buckle up. Come on. Buckle up. You ready? You didn't buckle. I told you to buckle. Come on. Buckle up. I'm going to tell you our business. I want you to know. See, God, God had a purpose and a plan. God says, I, I'm trying to get you up here. I got a purpose and a plan for your life. And if, you, if you're not careful, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss God's plan for your life. God, God looked at you. Think about this. When you were a kid, did God said, when he looked at you, did you think what you've accomplished is God's purpose? Uh, no, some of you said, no, I, I thought it would be higher. Well, the, in order for you to get there, what you have to do is you have to do what this verse says. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4. Don't worry, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to buckle up for in a minute. Look at this. Chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Paul was in, in prison when he wrote this. I beseech you to walk what? Worthy of the calling with which you were what? Called. I want you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He goes on to say, and do that with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, verse 4, under number 3 in your notes, there is one, God, one body, one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of calling, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is a calling. And he says in verse 1, in bold prints I put there for you, I'm the prisoner of the Lord and I want you to walk worthy of that calling. I want you to live up to what I'm calling you to. Now, here's my argument. When, we, when I started, I had no idea what he had in mind. Now, here's why. Because I came from a family where a, sing, a single parent who never made a whole lot of money. We made enough money so we didn't feel poor. We ate, but I never had millions in my mind, ever, ever, never, ever, never dreamed to be, never, never dreamed to be a pastor, never dreamed to have thousands of people, never. That was his calling for me. So here, imagine in heaven God saying, I've got to get him from here to there. I've got to get him to live up to something that he doesn't even know about yet. I've got to get him to live a certain way so that he can operate and have one day several million dollars of things he ought to be responsible for that he never ever dreamed he'd be responsible for. So when I started, I didn't see 10 million. I didn't see 30 million. I didn't see 50 million. I didn't see any of that over the lifetime of our church. But that's what, that's what God's plan. And God looks down the road and says, oh, Temple, I can give you 100. I can give you more than that. We can have, you can touch thousands more. If you touch 50,000 in 40 years and really most of those in the last 10 years, he said, you can touch many, many more if you are faithful. But the question is, can you live up to it? See, here's what our problem is. We think too small. Are you with me, church? Come on, talk to me. We think too small. We're afraid of a big dream. We're afraid of a big God, but would you lift your hand with me, please? Say, I serve a big God. Come on. Come on, say it again. Come on, say, I serve a big God. I serve a big God. I serve a big God. I served a big God. When I came to this church, we had $22,000 a year. That was the income of the church when I came, $22,000. What was the income? $22,000 a year. Since we've been here, we've taken over $50 million. Come on, give God a big hand. Come on. God is a... God is a... We've employed thousands, hundreds of people. 
God, hundreds of people. God has been good to us. And I believe that our future is brighter than our past. I believe that God is going to do something bigger than he's done before. It's changed. Some of the members, they're not just in the building. Some of y'all at home now. But it's all, it's all good as long as you keep on coming. Praise God. I don't mind. Come on, amen. I don't mind. I don't mind. But see, here, here's the key. If you are afraid and you can't see what God's purpose is for your life, you'll accept stuff. You just accept it. You accept being all broke up. You accept being all down. You accept being all depressed. You just have accepted everything. You're getting old, some of you're dead already. You just ain't in the grave. You got one foot in there already. You just, I'm, I'm dying. You have given up. You have no get up and go. You have no passion. You don't go to the barber shop. You need to get your hair fixed up. You need to go to the beauty shop. Get the toes done. Don't let them just grow out there like that. Do something. <laughs> you need to say, go on down there and fix these things. I need to fix these things up. You know what I'm saying? I'm letting myself go. I'm letting myself go. I'm letting myself. Why am I dying? I'm not in the grave. Come on, put some makeup on. God will love that. It's all good. Do something for yourself. Come on, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm telling you, God's doing some amazing things for us. We just, I, I haven't told you yet. I'm telling you, he's, he's opening some new doors and opening some new opportunities. But you can't get there if you're afraid. I've got to live up to my purpose. I've got to live up. I've got to live up. I can't live down. I can't live down. I can't do that. That's down, that's down beneath me. My God's calling me up. Now, let me show you three things. I'm done. Three things. Three things. Three sides. You're living up to what you believe. And what God's purpose is for your life. Three things. Number one. Notice what he said. He said <laughs> in verse two, you are to walk worthy with all lowliness and gentleness. That's one side. And with long suffering, bearing one another in love. Now watch this. If you are living up to God's purpose for your life, number one, you're going to be humble but tough. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Humble but tough. See, you, you have to know how to be lowly. But you also have to know how to be tough. There's two sides to that. There are times when, when you need to just be quiet. Don't, you don't know. There are times when you have to just listen. For God to bless any organization, they have to have times when that organization sits down and says, just quiet. Maybe we're doing this wrong. Lowliness. Humility. Gentleness. But then there are times when you have to be tough. See, some people get that, they're, they're extreme. Either you're too, you're, you're so lowly and you're so gentle, you can't be tough. You, 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 can't, you can't make tough calls. You don't like tough times. You don't like long suffering. Can you say long suffering? Long. Keep it going. Come on, say long suffering. Especially with people. Because that's where most of it is. With one another. Some of your greatest problems right now is with people. But don't you know that God put those people in your life for a reason? Some of you say, no, you don't mean that, do you? <laughs> your job. You need, you, need, you need a job, right? So you, you need to learn how to be tough. You can't go in that job crying. You're praying and asking God to help you. You go in the bathroom and cry. The Holy Spirit says, go back in the rain. And you come out the bathroom, you got to go, go back in the rain. Look at your neighbor and say, go back in the rain. Come on, say, go back in the rain. You, 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 there's, there's a moment to be humble. There's a moment to be teachable. And I work on that. I don't know everything. I let people talk to me. 
And that, that, there's a problem when you don't do that. But there's also a moment when it's not about, it's not about being anything but tough. This is a long-suffering moment. It's not going anyway. Your, some of you, your kids, they're going to be crazy for a good another five years at least. <laughs> Ten years, you're going to have to be long-suffering. Oh, this is going to be a long journey. I can look at some of them. I listen to some of these kids. I say, oh, yes, it's going to be, that's 10 years right there. That's 15. That's 15 years of being crazy. That's going to be five years of broke right there. That's going to be, this person's going to be in so much debt, they're going to, it's at least 20 years. It's not going away right now. And you have to learn how to suffer. You have to learn how to suffer with people. You have to learn how to put your arms around people that aren't perfect. One of, my, one of the great moments that was uh, one of my, my previous pastors said, he said, the, he, said the, he grabbed a guy and he hugged him and the guy smelled so bad. And the Lord said, hold on to him. <laughs> he said, hold on to him. That's how you smell sometimes. Just hold on to him. Hold on to him. That's how you smell sometimes. That's how, that's how you can be sometimes. The same feeling you have. For God to put his arms around you when you have a bad attitude, when you're not consistent, when you're not faithful. He holds on to you. He doesn't let you go. And he gets a big whiff of your attitude and a big whiff of your bad spirit and a big whiff of your unforgiveness. And he's held on to you. Everybody say long-suffering. Long-suffering. Learn how to be tough. You want to do something, sometimes you're praying, you're saying, God, use me. You say, you're not tough enough. You're good at being humble. You're good at, you're good at you know, being gentle and meek. But you're not, you can't be. You're not tough enough for this. And the second thing he says, not only must you be, if you want to live up to what I'm calling you to, you've got to be humble. You've got to be tough. But secondly, you've got to work to keep the peace. You can't be a warmonger. Here's what he says. Endeavoring, working hard to keep the unity and the spirit of, in the bond of peace. There's something about being a person who wants to get along with people. You're never going to reach God's purpose for your life if you are always fighting somebody. You're always in some major conflict. You don't know how to mend fences. What's hurt our country politically right now is that very spirit. It's this attitude of, let's just talk bad about you. Let's just make you look bad. And, it, it, and it's contagious. You know, when, when, when parents fight, the children fight. Ricky and Christina never really fought. They had moments. Her favorite words was, be quiet, boy. You're not my daddy. Tell him, daddy. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> you might, he's not my daddy. Tell him. He what to do. She, that was her favorite. I think those were her first sentence. <laughs> her first sentences. Be quiet, Ricky. You are not my daddy. That was it. But it's amazing how in the middle of all of, of, of raising children, I've noticed if Diane and I didn't fight, they didn't fight. They didn't really fight much. You know, they had little moments, but not, not like in some families. It's kung fu. <laughs> you know why? Because mother and father, kung fu all the time. You're teaching your children. When the pastor fights the deacons and the deacons fight the elders, you teach the members to fight. And that's why you got a church that's WWF. <laughs> they fight all the time. They fight all the time. And, and you'll never get to God's purpose in your life. You know why? You'll be so busy fighting, you don't have time to notice his purpose. When he changes direction, you can't, you can't I don't know if you've ever been in a car arguing and, and miss your exit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're so busy. Oh, Lord, it doesn't almost kill yourself because you're not paying attention. If we spend so much time fighting among ourselves, how can we even see the opportunities that God has put in front of us? 
Your family can't be blessed because you're fighting all the time. There's no peace. And you just pick fights. Why didn't you do that? I said, why didn't you? Look at your face. Calm down. Get yourself. <laughs> and you know, I'll say this to you. You know, you can get addicted to, to warfare like that. You like the adrenaline rush. You don't have to fight. You say, oh, it's time. Now we haven't had a fight in about two, two days. It's time to crank it up. I need some adrenaline. Why didn't you wash those dishes? There you go right there. That's it. That's it. That's the bait. And if you fall for it, I did not have time. What do you mean you didn't have time? You've been home all day. I was not home all day. See, now, there you go. There you go. Adrenaline start rising, you see? And then y'all get it going, and the kids watching and learning. Okay, I, this is how you cuss. Okay, this is what you say. This is, this is, oh, that's how you use that big bad word. Okay, and then they, they learn taking notes. Okay, I'm going to cuss my teacher just like that. I'm going to do just, and then when you get down to the school, and the, the kid, the teacher say, you know, your kid called me a, <laughs> fill in the blanks. And you look like, I don't know where they got that from. You know you're lying. You know you're not telling the truth. You're never going to get to God's purposes if we don't have peace. And that's why I don't, I don't, I don't you know, I just, I, I, don't, I don't, we don't live like that. That's not God's will for us. As a church, it's not God's will for us. And my family, it's not God's will. Third thing, and I'm done for the day. Here are the signs that you're living up to what God, what you believe is God's purpose for your life. Number one, you're, you're humble, but you're tough. Number two, you, you work to keep the peace. And number three, here you go, you recognize what should be first. I love the way that, that this is said. There's one God, there's one body, there's one spirit, there's, there's one hope of your calling, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God. It's all about one, unity, togetherness. I'm clear. I'm not serving all these other gods, all these other priorities. I'm not in all these other faiths. I have one faith. I have one Lord. I have one baptism. The idea is I'm, I'm prioritized. I'm clear. I love that in, in the book we've been reading this year by T.D. Jakes, Destiny. Hope you, I hope you're reading it. I hope, I'm enjoying it still. I'm just soaking it in slow. And here's what he, here's what he said. He, there's a whole chapter called Guiltless Priorities. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Guiltless Priorities. It's a great book. Guiltless Priorities. I, I'm clear about the one I'm following, the one God, I'm not following everybody else. I have no guilt. No, no guilt about what's important to me. I have one faith. I'm not believing everything that everybody says. I'm not tossed to and fro by every doctrine. I'm clear. You can read it on your own. I already gave you a message version there. But let me press on. I want to close this, and I want to tell you what happens when you don't do this. When you don't live up to your purpose, you become, I believe, emotionally disappointed. Emotional disappointment is that bad feeling that I'm just not where I should be. It's that thing that you can't explain. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 describes it this way. Hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. The message Bible says unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. There's that thing you just get in the morning when you get up and you look at your life and you go, this is not my income level. This is not my emotional place. I am not supposed to be here. This is not my life. The question is, is that you? Is that you? I want you to take these questions home. Five questions. And think about them. Number one. Is there really a difference between you and those who don't live for Christ? Are you really any different? Are you just like them? Do what they do, say what they say, act the way they act. Have you really changed... 
one person said something to me that was so profound. He said, the person said, that person is just a saved version of their unsaved selves. Which means they just covered it over with a couple of scriptures and a couple of verses, but they're really just as mean as they've always been. They just use a couple of spiritual words. Well, praise God. It's a couple of praise gods, but it's just as venomous. The comments that we make to each other. Second question to take home. Is your heart sick because you feel like you are not living up to what you believe? You're not even doing what you believe. You're not even doing what you believe. You don't believe this is good for you. You don't believe this path is good for your family. You don't believe it. We've got to at least live up to what we believe. I keep a list every day. I have a list. I have a list of, of goals and objectives for myself every year. And I've been, I've been following it. I keep a master list. And I say, okay, number one, are you doing this? Number two, are you doing that? Number three, I go down the list, and I, and I had to be honest. Okay, these three things are not being done. I put them in red. They just are. Obviously, I don't want to do them. Obviously, they're not priorities. And I guess, and I look at them, I go, eh, you know, they're probably not. If you write ten things down, probably five of them aren't important. If you write ten priorities down, I promise you, they even say in business, 80% of it is really irrelevant. Only 20% of what you do makes you money. It's really important to understand if you are really doing what you believe you should be doing. And that's why I write that down, and I, I go through it every month. Tempo, come on, number one, number two, number three. How is this going? How is that going? You gave this to this person. Did they do what you asked them to do? And did you call them back? And, and so there's something about that honest moment. Am I living up to what I believe? Number three. Is your heart sick because you feel like you are not living up to God's purpose? Forget you for a second. It's like, I know God's disappointed in this path. This can't be God's will. Number four, here's a question. This is a big one. You ready? If everybody around this church followed your life direction, where would we be going? If we prayed like you prayed, if we read the Bible like you read the Bible, if we did what you do, where would we be going? If we made the same choices, see, that's why it's so important when you start talking about membership because when people join you, they bring their culture with them. And if they're all going north and enough of our members start going north and we're supposed to be going south, we won't get there. All you got to do is get enough people who believe it's okay to be bedroom blinded, if you get my point, right? Remember the series, Bedroom Blindness, Fighting Bedroom Blindness? All you, look, and let me tell you, when people are bedroom blinded, Okay, somebody said, what do you mean by bedroom blind? I mean, you can't see in the bedroom? Yeah, right, that's exactly what it means. And, but, <laughs> okay, we're talking about your sex life if you don't get it, okay? It's a code. Anyway, but if a person, when they come to church, they find each other. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 And you have a whole bunch of them. And before you know it, everybody is fellowshipping with everybody. Let me say, what are you talking about now? Going out to dinner? What are you talking about? I'm telling you how a church melts down to the ground. I'm telling you how things just get lost. I'm telling the pastor get lost. He's looking in the audience, and the audience looking at him. And the deacons, everybody, this is a mess. And before you know it, we're no different than everybody. If everybody around this church followed your life direction, where would we be going? Closer to God or further from God? 
Last question. If everybody in your family followed your life direction, where would they be going? Forget the church for a minute. Look at your family. What if your children did exactly what you do? I asked a question. It was amazing. I asked guys, I said, out of the guys that you work with on your job, how many of them are faithful to their wives? And it's not just, let me tell you, this assumption that it's just men. Ha, ha, ha. Ladies, they just more skilled at it. <laughs> you just can't catch them right away. You have to be talented and have some, I don't know, skills. But ladies, praise the Lord. They can hide it. But behind that, praise the Lord, there's some bondage going on. And so the question is, if everybody in your family followed your choices, am I, am I throwing rocks? Absolutely not. Am I acting like I'm holding it now? Absolutely not. I'm simply saying God's purpose for us. I want to reach God's purpose for my life. I want our church to reach God's purpose for our existence. I want us to not just be a bigger church. I want us to be an effective people who make a difference. But here's the problem. You ready? Sometimes we go too slow. Sometimes, you know, we respond to God, but it's, not, it's kind of like, we're inching there. And that's, that's, part, that's part of what's happening in my soul. I'm beginning to think, come on, Temple, speed it up. Speed up your obedience. Speed up your prayer life. Speed it up. Are you, are you behind? How long have you been promising? How long has it been? Are you going too slow? Next week, I talk about that. Too slow to reach God's purpose. And I'm going to show you people in the Bible that was just too slow. The Bible says, the moment you hear my heart, my, my word, harden not your heart like they did. They, Israel hardened their heart. And, and there's something about realizing, man, I am, I've got to start now because I'm going too slow. Then July, I'm going to talk about going too fast. Some of us are not just too slow. You're way out in front of God. You say, where are you going? <laughs> You start the church with, wait a minute, come back here. Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to evangelize. You, you don't have no place to go. Come here. Nobody wants to hear you yet. You don't know how to preach. Come on, say too slow, too slow. and too fast. too fast. Starting next week, we're going to talk about that and how we need to make sure we're not too slow and we're not too fast. Are you excited about your future? Amen. Come on, you believe you're going someplace? Come on, you believe you're going someplace? Come on, won't you stand up on your feet? Come on, stand up on your feet and declare it before the living God that you are not going to be defeated, that you're going to reach God's purpose for your life, and you're going to be victorious. Give God a big shout and a big hand clap if you believe it. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church. God, you're able. Hallelujah. You're able to get us to that place you call us to. And so, God, today we thank you for the word. We thank you for what's been said. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, after hearing you today, I'm clear. I'm too slow. I'm moving too slow. I need to give my life to God. I've been talking about it for a long time. Talking about changing, but I need Jesus today to help me get going. If you're here today and you want me to pray for you, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, pray for me, Pastor. That's me. I need you to pray for me. I see one. I see two. I see three. Let me see who I'm praying for. Let me see you. I see your hand as well. Anybody else? I see you, sir. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I'm going too slow here. I need to get going. God, God's calling me. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see you back there. God, God's calling me. I'm, I'm taking too long here. I need to get going. I need, I need to get started. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I pray we leave this place inspired and motivated. I pray we lift our hearts and hands to you and let you work on us, work in us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Those who raise their hand, let this be the day they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life from this day forward. I want to give my life to you. I want to start a new walk with you. I come as I am, imperfect, flawed, challenged. And I believe, Lord God, that these ten are so people who raise their hand that the hand of God will be upon them, that the grace of God will give them strength, that today they will, they will, they will say, I started my walk with God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your salvation. It came free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Are you glad you came? Praise God. I'm glad you came.